0: Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 With Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. Learn from extraordinary leaders and get a behind-the-scenes look at what it truly takes to become a network marketing hero. On this week's episode,
1: all those things are learned traits, by the way, that I've learned from personal development myself, but i got to listen to him. i got to find out what he wants, and then I'm going to tell him whatever opportunity I am in, and, and this is when I train for companies. I find out what they have to offer that will make a
0: difference in somebody else's life. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools at blissbusiness.com.
2: My name is Richard Blissbrook. And this is the Bliss Business Hero Maker Series. Every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, I interview somebody in the network marketing community that has built an extraordinary four-year career, somebody that has personally sponsored enough people to gather around enough leaders to get their team into momentum, and grow it into the thousands so that they have what we call in the four-year career asset income. They've actually built a business worth, in terms of its residual income, millions of dollars. And every once in a while, we grab somebody that is actually inspired and coached and led people to do that, and when we find somebody of that caliber that we get to interview, then we call it a hero maker call. And I have to tell you, I've been doing these calls every other week for three years straight, and tonight is the pinnacle of my interviews. I get to, I get to interview one of my heroes in life, one of my mentors, one of my very favorite leaders, coaches, the person that makes me laugh the most when I'm in the audience, the person who sat me down at a lunch spot in San Diego about three years ago and gave me a little bit of relationship advice, which was kind of hard, like uh, it was kind of like a ball peen hammer between my eyes. She wrapped me really hard right between my eyes and I ended up married to the love of my life, I, 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 uh, in no small part because of Rita's lovingly coaching. But tonight I have the opportunity to interview and bring to you Rita Davenport. And before I bring her on and start quizzing her about stuff I want to have her talk about, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about her for those of you that don't know her. She just last week celebrated her 50th wedding anniversary to David. I got this beautiful card in the mail, a picture of them the day they got married. Two pictures, actually. Beautiful card. Awesome, awesome couple. But this lady has done some extraordinary things in her life. She's an internationally recognized expert in the principles of success, the secrets of network marketing, time management, goal setting, self-esteem building. She was uh, the president of Arbon International for 20 years and led that company from a small company to an international giant in our profession. And there are just hundreds of thousands of women around the world that, whose lives have been changed just because they had the the opportunity to listen and be touched by the heart of Rita. She's been featured in People Magazine, Success Magazine, Networking Times, The Wall Street Journal. She's been on over 200 radio and TV shows, including ABC's Good Morning America, NBC's Today Show. For 15 years, she produced and hosted her own award-winning TV show called Success Strategies that was viewed in over 32 million homes. She's written three books that have sold over a million copies, including her bestseller, Making Time and Making Money. She's in the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame, done over a 1,000 seminars globally, and shared the stage with John Maxwell, Jack Canfield, Ross Sheffer, Connie Podesto, Emma, Irma Brombeck, Og Mendino, Dr. Joyce, Brothers, Tom Hopkins, Zig Zigger, Les Brown, Mark Victor Hansen, and Richard Brooks. Somewhere along there, <laughs> her newest book, and perhaps her best book and most extraordinary book, is Sunny Side Up. And um, so, for those of you that are not in Arbon and represent companies in our space, whether they're network marketing or even your employer, non-network marketing employers. If you have not had the opportunity to have Rita grace your stage, I encourage you to lobby whoever makes the decision for people to be hired to come and speak at your national convention or your regional events, whether you're a network marketing or you work for somebody that just – has a lot of employees. This woman is a life changer. She's absolutely hysterical on stage, but every one of her pieces of humor is loaded with wisdom. And there isn't anybody better that you can bring in to stir the troops than Rita Davenport. So if you haven't read her books, uh, get her books. You can get them at RitaDavenport.com. Uh, if you want her to speak, um, she'll probably tell you how you can do that, but she is managed by success partners, uh, which is the owner of success magazine. We can get you in touch with them if you want to hire her. And that's what I have to say about my beautiful friend, Rita Davenport. And now we can cut right to it, providing she's still here. Rita. Yeah, I'm
1: here. I was just going to say after that introduction on the seventh day I rested, but I thought you said quite a bit. <laughs> oh my! You God. are
2: go- You are totally goddess-like. I I quit. I quit covering some of your story. You got so many accomplishments. I would take the whole hour just to run over, run through them.
1: I, All right, lady.
2: <laughs> let's get into it. I want to hear some stories. So you have you have created an extraordinary life. You have created the kind of life that many women aspire to, perhaps not living as large as you have lived, but you know what your story provides women is they may not want to do what you've done with your life, but whatever they do want to do, your life provides an inspiration for them that that if you can do what you've done, they can certainly do what they are envisioning doing, including building a nice little income in network marketing. But I want to go back to your childhood. I want you to tell us, um, who was Rita Davenport before she was Rita Davenport?
1: Well, it's funny. I'm just reflecting back. I remember, Richard, we were raised really poor. There's a difference in poor and poor. Poor is much worse off than poor. But we were poor. And uh, I remember hearing my grandpa had to go on old age assistance. And I was about six years old. And I remember sitting down on the front steps in College Grove, Tennessee. And I just loved my grandpa. You know the reason grandkids are so close, close to their grandparents is because they share a common enemy. But I really did, <laughs> really did love him. And I couldn't understand how he'd have to go on welfare. I mean, back then, you did anything not to go on welfare. That was just the last straw. And um, I-, I couldn't understand because he was a sharecropper, but he worked like a dog. His skin was all uh, like leather from being out in the elements. And he was smor- smoking a-, a corn cob pipe, and I, I worried about him, and, and I said, Grandpa, did you-, did you ever think that you'd have to go on old-age assistance? And he said, yeah, sugar, he said, I, I, I really did think I would. He said, I was glad I had kids I could live with, he said, but I, I never thought I'd ever have anything. Well, it was like I had an address that Aunt Edna had made me out of flower sacks, and I was so proud. See, I teach you to be grateful for all that you have. I mean, that gratitude is the number one mental step in adjustment for prosperity. And I was so grateful. I went all over showing that dress to everybody because it was a, a new dress. Everything else I had was hand-me-downs. And I remember sitting there in that feed sack dress and thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't expect that's where I'll end up. And, uh, you know, my friend Wayne Dyer, I had a chance to know him before he became famous, and he said, you know, you got to see it to believe it. But... Even as a child, I had high expectations. About 3% are born absolutely infested with uh, expectation that's high and uh, having a, a spirit of achievement and enthusiasm and charisma. But the rest of us can learn that by being around people like that and having role models. So I remember that was such a vivid impact in my life and then in the first grade, um, I was told by the counselor at school that um, I had learning disabilities. I had a speech impediment, and uh, they were going to put me in special education. Now, back then, special education, these, these children were in the basement. They, um, some of them, you know, were not, able, they were they had sold on themselves. Uh, they could barely walk and barely talk and very severely handicapped. But I was going to be put into that environment. They didn't do mainstreaming back there, Richard. I mean, back then, uh, nobody, but especially in in the poverty I grew up in. And because I had this speech impediment, I was going to be put into that environment. Well, Mother's uh, sister was gravely ill in Tennessee, so she took me and my brother, and we went on. uh, all the way uh, on a bus to, uh, from Nashville to Los Angeles for her to help take care of, of her sister, and I was put into the first grade in California, and they tested me. And, and Mama got a call, and she said, "I think I know what you're going to say." They said, "Oh, well, we want to talk about the placement of your daughter." And she said, "Yeah, I, I she was she was tested in Tennessee, so I, I'm 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 expecting what you're going to say." They said, "Oh, well, good." Because we've tested your daughter, and we found out she's gifted, and we want to move her from the first grade to the third grade. Now, I don't know, Richard, what that says about the California school system in comparison to the Tennessee school system, but in Tennessee (laughs) I was considered handicapped, but in California I was considered gifted. But the power of being told in the first grade that you indeed are gifted – when I went back to Tennessee about two months later, I went into my first grade teacher's class with Miss Tyler. I remember her and got to help celebrate her 98th birthday, and uh, I, I follow up with those teachers that meant so much to me. And I went in, and I said, Ms. Tyler, guess what? I'm gifted, and I will help you with the slow children and she said, Rita, you did. You'd help put their little sweaters on and help straighten up their papers and help get them down to the cafeteria. And you, all of a sudden you came back from California as a gifted child with all this confidence and a, 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 just a transformation. And the lesson, the reason I'm telling all of you this, the importance of this is when you are interacting with people, you tell them that you see their greatness, that you, you, that you say, you know, you are gifted, and that's so powerful. Just today, I mean, coming in contact, um, had my checkup, and I was out at Mayo, and I said to the little girl as you check in, you know, before you have your physical, I said, you know, you just have the most beautiful eyes, and all of a sudden, she couldn't quit smiling, and she was making sure. I mean, I got right in for my checkup. I didn't have to wait. It was amazing. Why don't we all learn, you know, like not only find people doing things right, but say a compliment. I was at Costco, and I said to a woman, that is a really pretty color on you. She had on a T-shirt, and it was a kind of a pink mauve color. Well, she circled back with me later, and she said, I just want you to know I'm in chemotherapy, and she said, I have felt so bad, and when you said that this color looked good on me and how good I looked, she said, I felt so much better. She said, can I give you a hug, and I I was just touched, but every one of you listening right now, if, if nothing else is a takeaway of what you hear tonight, my life, and the success, and success is living your life the way you choose. And I certainly do have a lot of choices, and I'm so grateful. I, there's never a day that I wake up. I mean, I didn't have a bathroom in my house or any any inside plumbing, and and I look at this beautiful home God has gifted me with, and I did I did help him help gift me with this. I helped out too, uh, but I I think my God, how blessed I am but it's it's making other people feel good. Everybody's got an invisible sign on them that you come in contact with in your business, in your personal life, uh, out shopping, at church, wherever you are, and that sign says, Make Me Feel Important. And it's amazing what that does for people. It's a habit of mine. It always has been a habit of mine, Um, even as a very young person. Um, I became a social worker and ran into a, an old friend from the first grade. Um, in fact, he was I, he, I had a crush on him forever. And he said, uh, I said, Bobby, did you know I've become a social worker? And he said, oh, Rita, you've been a social worker all your life. And, and I got tickled because basically I, I have been, but I was always trying to help other people uh, feel better about themselves and accomplish more and, and have accomplishment in their life and, and make them aware of their greatness. People people don't often get told about their greatness. They don't they don't have somebody point out, you know, you could do this and I see you I see you doing this. And, and and the business, many of you are in network marketing, most of you I think. But the business that we're in, I think it's so important that we know to help other people feel better about themselves and actually feel they deserve to be successful. A lot of people don't think they deserve to be successful, Richard, because they've made mistakes. They've done things that they're not proud of. And so I I think that this industry gives you a platform not only to succeed to the extent you help other people, but to feel good about yourself. Because every single mentor listening, and I hope you all are, uh, every one of you Really and truly, that our mentors want their mentees to outdo them. So, when, when I ran into this this friend from the first grade, and, and I said, I'm a social worker, and you mentioned that I was a social worker right out of college, and he said, You've been that all of your life. I think you've all prepared for a time such as this. Uh, everything you've learned and, and all the things that you will continue to learn, and I challenge you not to miss a day to listen to a CD or read at least. Ten, fifteen, twenty pages of something on personal development, because is you know, Ben Franklin said to empty the coins from your purse into your mind, your mind will fill your purse overflowing. I am guilty of investing in myself. I I know that everything I spend on personal development will come home to me a hundredfold, and so I I go back to my your question was growing up. Uh, I was ashamed of where I lived. Uh, never, I mean, we had a two-bedroom house. I slept with my mother till I married. Uh, my brother and daddy slept in the other room. And I, I remember just the, the gratitude I have because I did not go hungry. I mean, not really hungry. But I was ashamed. And, you know, every successful person, and I'm listening to a whole bunch of successful people right now, but every successful person at some time in their life has felt subjected to prejudice or they felt inferior. And that can be the fire that will get you where you need to be, that ignites that passion. Uh, Because I knew that I grew up in poverty, but I knew I was not going to stay in poverty The the thing that salted my oats, and I I sometimes don't realize people don't know what that term means. You can take a horse to water, but you you know you can't make it drink. But you can put salt in its oats. And the thing that salted my oats to become successful was that I wanted to take care of my family. I looked around at mom and daddy. Daddy could barely read and write. I have little notes that my daddy wrote. He never even knew how to spell my name, but I keep you know my motivation was. Someday they're going to have a, a nice home. My daddy's going to have a, a new car. In fact, I built my, my folks a house when I was still living in an apartment. So I want each of you listening right now to have the motivation to step out of realizing it's not about you. And, and you really will get fired up when you realize the people that you care about and how you can help them and what difference you can make. So. All, all of my life, it's been focused toward that. And, But I was always a uh, strong-spirited uh, entrepreneur. I, I remember somebody, my brother was very sickly, and somebody, a, a big guy jumped on my brother one time. He was a bully. And, I mean, I, I wasn't very big myself, but I beat the, uh, well, I won't say, I beat the crap out of this guy because, and everybody in the neighborhood knew, don't you ever mess with with her brother. Don't you ever get near him. But I was strong-willed then. I was born with it, but I I had to have it to accomplish something. And everybody listening has that within them. If if you want it bad enough, and I was hungry with desire, I I always wanted to have more and be more and do more and learn more and earn more so I could share more. And um, anyway, growing up was... Uh, a blessing. It was a blessing because um, I didn't have a lot, and it made me want to have more. And I kind of feel sorry for kids that are raised with abundance because they don't have, uh, you know, that that fire in their belly. That oh my gosh, I got to do this in order to do that. And then, I, I, you know, if I'm ever going to have anything or be anything, I got to work, you know, really hard to have a nice house or a new car. So. I, you know, and I feel sorry for my kids. My kids, both of them started uh, working when they were 14, but they never knew what it was like not to have the many, many blessings that they have. And yet they still, I guess, maybe have a little bit of that in them, That uh, maybe a lot in them, that they want to help other people. And if you're born with a lot of blessings, and many people have, you're you're to pay it forward and you're to look at, What you have that can make a difference in other people's lives, and you don't have to be like you asked. Growing up, I grew up in Nashville, the home of the Grand Ole Opry, and I I couldn't. I am tone deaf. I couldn't sing or uh, pick or anything. My aunt lived in California. She said, "Well, can you hum? Can't you do anything?" She said, "You look good. Surely you can do something on stage, but." That was not God's intention for me. And most people, you know, have to realize you're born with a purpose, and your initial purpose is to find what that purpose is, get good at something, and then give it away. And so since I couldn't sing and I was around, uh, you know, people that were very talented, I had to find something that I was good at. And being told I, I had a terrible problem stuttering And being told that I would, you know, I had learning disabilities, I overcame that and became a public speaker, one of the founders of National Speakers Association. And in our arena, the CSP is Certified Speaking Professional and then CPA Council Peers Award for Excellence in Hall of Fame. And it just has to be God's sense of humor that I had a speech impediment as a child and became a professional speaker as an adult. And I did that to show other people how you can, number one, overcome so many challenges that you just give in to and say, well, I can't do that. I don't look as good. See, We, we compare ourselves. I can't, I'm not as talented as, as Richard is, or I'm not as beautiful as this girl, or I'm not as uh, artistic. Uh, th- at the end of the day, you're only going to be judged by what you have and what you do with it. And someday you're going to have to explain to your maker, and and it's going to happen, why you didn't use what you had, why you were gifted with all this. Everybody's born with a gift, everybody. And why you didn't use it, and how can you feel good about yourself knowing that you could make a difference. You know, not just live your life and make a living. Most people can make a living. But to make a difference, I I desperately all of my life have wanted – to make a difference, my net worth and and I've been oh so blessed, but my net worth, Richard, is determined by the people I help. That's that's my greatest takeaway. It's not I have a beautiful home and and nice car and uh, travel opportunities and oh I'm so I'm just so blessed, but at the end of the day, what I feel good about is telling that little girl today, you know, how pretty her eyes were and how good she felt, and she just glowed. Everybody can do that. It's easy and simple. It's so simple. Everybody can do that. Yep. And that's the nature of the business, if you're in network marketing, that causes you to succeed. It's, it's a people business, and the, one, the ones that get to the top are the ones that empower other people, that encourage other people, that thank their team members. I remember when I got into network marketing, and I'm getting ahead of you. I know because you're asking. me. About- <laughs> All right, let me back up. In Tennessee, don't back where- up. You're, <laughs> you're
2: you're fine. Just, I just take a nap, an and, and I'll be okay. No, 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 don't, you don't you go anywhere. But I think I think I, what you I'm want- cooking dinner. To- <laughs> I'm washing the car and cooking dinner. You, you go, you
1: go, girl. Well, no, I think one one of the best kept secrets is that in uh, when I was well from the fourth grade. Uh, I had a little boyfriend, and his name was Carl Dean. And Carl Dean's daddy was my Sunday school teacher, and Carl Dean was votiest, voted wittiest in our senior class. He had a great sense of humor. And I dated Carl and thought the world of him, and he was just absolutely an awesome guy. And it turns out that um, Carl Dean married Dolly Pardon. And he met her the first day she came to Nashville. She's walking down the side of the road with her clothes in a paper bag. She's living with her brother, and she's going to the laundromat. It's just like something Carl Dean would do, and he was driving a 61 Chevrolet, and he pulls over on the side of the road and introduces himself. They start dating, and they married really just a few months later. And I am in an audience listening to Dolly Pardon in Phoenix, Arizona, just about oh three years ago, took my daughter in law, and you know, you really not not able to impress your daughter in law very often. I mean, I mean, no matter what I did, it, you know, to impress a daughter in law is really something. Well, Dolly Parton stands on stage and said, "Well, all of you have always wondered who Jolene really is, that green eyed Jolene." She said, "Well, I just want y'all to know, she's in the audience tonight." And would Rita Davenport stand up because? She didn't take my man just because she can.
2: <laughs>
1: but oh, you know, that's
2: one of the best I, stories I, ever.
1: I laughed, and my daughter-in-law was so impressed. She started texting all of her friends. My mother-in-law is Jolene, <laughs> but you know, Pauline so really, is I, just precious. Go ahead, hon.
2: I think people want to know how. How did you make that first transition? out of college, you're a social worker, and and then all of a sudden you're in the Hall of Fame in the National Speakers Bureau. So that doesn't make sense. How? Wh- what was your first move that gave you traction in speaking and in business? And so I know you hosted this TV show where you interviewed people, but but what happened between college and that? Like, okay, what was your well, first move or your first break?
1: Yeah. I went through college in three years, uh, worked, uh, had no, no help from my parents, and graduated with honors, even though I was told not to go to college because I hadn't taken preparatory classes. I didn't pay attention to that. Don't tell me what I can't do. Just tell me, you know, how I can do what I could do and need to do. So when I got out of school, I was a, social worker and then I got into teaching and um, moved from, that. my husband was in the space program and we moved from Florida to Phoenix and I got a job at Arizona Public Service and my job was as a consumer service specialist to teach use and care of appliances and I was on a television show and I would do all the, you know, the southern accent has been uh, such a blessing for me. I speak two languages, English and southern, but first of all, you when you have a southern accent, you appear to people not threatening and down to earth and friendly I, that's just the way you're raised and the people on the, in, in Phoenix would say well bring that southern lady back on let her come on she's you know I would cook recipes and things like that had the idea to do the food network and so I was was asked to tell about you know what it was like to interview John Wayne and and all the different uh, gosh uh, any celebrity that you would think of I mean I, I interviewed uh, on my show and so I started being invited to speak about this, and then got to know some speakers, and we started the National Speakers Association. But um, actually, I spoke for um, a charity, got a standing ovation. It was um, a health charity here in Phoenix, and they had flown in, flown in a speaker from New York, first class, paid her back then. It was a lot of money, is about five thousand, and it did not go over that well. I mean, you know. Uh, You know, the sun doesn't shine (laughs) on one dog's tail all the time. And that Mm -hmm. particular time, it it wasn't. And I got a standing ovation, and the organizer said, oh, my God, you saved our program. You're the best speaker I ever heard, and we paid somebody else $5,000, and we didn't give you anything. Uh, I said, you had a budget of $5,000 to pay a speaker, and I did this for free because I was always doing free speeches. Well, right then, Richard, I started saying, I did not speak for free. I mean, does anybody really want to listen to a cheap speaker? But, uh, at that time, whatever I earned, if they didn't have a budget, then they would make a donation to one of the charities I, I helped support. And I started, uh, speaking just word of mouth. If I speak to an audience and I don't get at least two invitations to speak somewhere else, then I know that I didn't serve that audience well. So it was by, I did it. I mean, I, by word of mouth and um, all of a sudden, I, was, I mean, when I did my infomercials, I was doing 100, and the, the most I ever did is 118 speeches in one year. So being in broadcasting opened the door for me to be seen by a lot of people. And then doing the infomercial, I did the second infomercial. Dr. Shad Helmstetter um, was one of the people that I worked with. He did the first infomercial, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. And then I did the second one called It's Time for You. And, and by the way, all of you listening right now, I hope you write that note down. It's time for you. That's one of the programs that that I feel good about for people to be awakened to realize that it is time for them to, in many cases. And I'm I'm very direct, and Richard has seen me in action to be direct. But just get off of your butt and go to work. And I mean, the uh, you know, it's the four letter word is work. But uh, if you're looking for a helping hand, look at the end of your sleeve. And most people don't get where they would like to be or want to be because they don't pay their dues they don't put the effort in you're going to get out of this business exactly what you put into it no more or no less and if you're not getting much out of your business right now and i'm not beating up on you i'm just going to tell you the truth i mean if if you hired me as a coach and if you wanted me to come into your company and speak you don't want me to sugarcoat it because if if i can't Take a business from, like with Arbon, I think it was around $3 million a year to $980 million a year and bringing in 90,000 people a month. If I can't do that for you, I'm letting you down, but I can't do it by just being, you know, sugarcoating everything. I have to be direct and tell you that you've got to make some changes in your behavior and your life, and you've got to want it bad enough. For everybody listening that's got kids, and I know this has nothing to do with your question, Richard, but I'll get back to that. But for everyone, if you want your kids to make something out of themselves, then you make something out of yourself. When I would call, as when I first got into Arbonne, and when I would sponsor people, and uh, somebody would become a district manager, I would call and congratulate them, and I would say, um, "Do you have a speakerphone?" And yeah, well, would you get your husband and your kids near the speakerphone because I want them to know how great you are, and I would brag on them, and I would just say, oh, my goodness, you know, I would let them know to be so proud, and she's working really hard right now, and you've got to be real patient, because she's going to do what she has to do for a little while so she can do what she wants to do forever, and then I would give gifts, Richard, I was I'll never forget, my first check in network marketing was $9, and I was I was working like a banshee. And my husband said, oh, this is really going to help us retire someday. This is a big business you've gotten us into. He said, you're making about $9 this month. And I said, I'll show you. And then the next month, I made $18 the next month, Richard. $18 was my override checks. And he just laughed, and he said, "Oh my goodness!" And then when he saw what I was investing in my business—not only my time, and passion, and excitement, enthusiasm, all that—but I was, I was gifting people, and and uh, you know, and people said, "How much did you spend on gifts?" I said, "Whatever my credit card could take." And he said, "When he saw the expenses of the gift recognition that I give." people that performed in my organization. He says, is this a non-profit you've gotten us into (laughs) because he's spending so much? But I knew it would pay off, and it did, hugely. Right. But uh, I did. I I was very generous, and uh, I I get teased about that. But I teach people about tipping the maid and and housekeeping and and hotels and about, you know, being very generous with tips. And so one of the tips I'm going to give you is, you, you know, you you have not because you ask not, and get your asking gear. So write that one down, too, if you're writing notes. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people looking for what you have to offer that you're not telling them about it. And the reason you don't is that you're afraid you'll be rejected. And, oh, good grief. Get over that right now. Richard, what question do you have? Go ahead, hon.
2: <laughs> I want to hear the story about how Donna Johnson approached you about Arbonne, where were you? What were you doing? How did she connect with you, and how did she interest you in that opportunity?
1: Well, first of all, let me let me explain it the way it happened. She was with Jaffra, and I was speaking right. for a company called Jaffra, and I sat next to Donna at dinner, and Laura Fletcher, who's a dear dear friend too, had um, asked Peter Morik, the founder of Arbonne. To invite me to speak for Arbonne, and I could barely understand Peter because he was from Norway and and um, wasn't that he was kind of hard to understand. But I knew I had this speech coming up, and Donna was telling me, oh gosh, I shouldn't have mentioned another company, but Donna was telling me about her ambition, and I talked to her about the many options that were out there in this industry. And I had been studying various ones. I'd spoken for Amway and uh, Herbalife and Tupperware and, of course, Arbonne. But I also spoke for at and T. I I spoke for a bunch of Apple computers. That that wasn't my niche, was not network marketing, really. But Donna and I met when she was at a a company, and we connected, and she was very kind, and Donna – was dripping on me. Of course, I knew she was dripping on me, but I was speaking for, um, I did over, I think in one year, 30 speeches for Mary Kay. And I really was not a candidate to join an individual business because I had contracts uh, up to three years in advance to speak for companies. And as, as impressed as I was with Donna and the opportunity Um, when she had gotten into Arbonne from the first company she was with, and then she let me know where she was, because we became friends. Um, I was very impressed with all she was doing. And I said to Donna, I have a sister that has tried network marketing before, but she's never been successful. And my sister's husband had open-heart surgery, and uh, he was disabled, and and this would have been a wonderful opportunity for her. So Donna sponsored my sister into Arbonne, I said, Donna, I would love for you to mentor and coach my sister who has a fourth grade, uh, she got married at 14, had an eighth grade education, had no confidence, felt like she didn't have the education or the pizzazz, or uh, she was uh, challenged with um, um, not feeling confident in herself. And I said, Donna, I would love if you could work with my sister. And Donna did. I, I wasn't involved in Arbonne at all. And Donna worked with my sister, and my sister said to me one day, "Well, if this is such a great opportunity, and and you keep telling me how I can have this abundance in my life, and I can have choices, and I can have all these, you know, uh, nice car, and uh, why don't why don't you join Arbonne? (laughs) If it's good enough for me, isn't it good enough for you?" Now the message, folks. Those of you that are listening, every whale knows a minnow, and every minnow knows a whale. My sister in the business world might have been a minnow. I was a whale. I mean, I was, I was rocking it. I was, you know, I, I was making uh, a lot of money and, and had recognition and all of that, you know. But my sister, just being this precious, she's right there with Mother Teresa in my mind. My sister said, "This is good enough for me. How come you don't join?" And I didn't have an excuse not to. So I paced myself and finished out my contracts with the, the speeches that I had scheduled. And then my sister sponsored me. Um, of course, we had a tremendous upline. We, we call it, you know, success line. But Donna sponsored my sister. My sister sponsored me. And I, I had to show my sister is this is the way you blaze a trail. So I was setting an example for her, again, wanting my sister to outdo me. And by the way, she did. She's always done better than I've done. But that's the benefit of bringing people into this business. A lot of times, those of you that are listening, you're afraid to approach people that are high-profile, professional, people that have accomplished a great deal, because you're afraid that they will look down on this opportunity and I knew the benefits of the opportunity. I knew it was a numbers game. The one that gets to the top simply talks to the most people. And then what was what was really eerie about all this is that when I got into the business sponsored by my sister under Donna, it was a, a a beautiful thing for me because when I would get through speaking for a company, I would have somebody driving me to the airport sometime, and they'd say, "Well, I'm really unhappy." Uh, with my job and I don't like what I'm doing and, and I don't know what I can do. What was I going to tell him? Well, you could start being a speaker or you could get a TV show or you could write a best-selling book or you could be on billboards that covers of magazines. No, I didn't ever have anything to tell them until I knew about the benefits of this business. With a small investment, you could have a tremendous successful opportunity if you if you wanted it bad enough, the world steps aside. And the person knows where they're going, and 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 so then on. Everywhere I could go, that people would ask me what what could they do. I now have an answer. Uh, you know, if you get passionate about a product, and um, I, I there's so much to celebrate about this industry. And I didn't have anything before that. So my sister being bold and brave and saying, Well, if it's good enough for me it ought to be good enough for you. How come you haven't gotten into the business, heifer? You know, heifer is a term of endearment in the south and it's what sisters <laughs> say to sometimes and so she said, Heifer, how come you haven't joined? And I did. And um just All right, so I gotta great.
2: ask you this now. So uh I imagine I don't know how many people are on this call, maybe four or five, six hundred but the the thing that um, I want you to just think about, Rita, in the, answering this next question is there will be a replay of this call on Saturday. People will be listening to it. And then it's a permanent podcast, and people are going to be tapping into this for years to come all over the world. You have a gift, many gifts, but one of the gifts that you have that I've heard about repeatedly during your era at Arbonne, is where I, I hear you exercised it the most, is the gift of guiding and coaching women primarily, but you know anybody. I'm sure it's the same for men or women that needed to believe that they could build this and then needed direction on what to do. What to what are the power moves to get started? What are the attitudes you need and the actions you need to get out of the box, to get moving, to get some momentum? I've heard so many stories of Arbon ladies that followed your lead, followed your coaching, and went on to build extraordinary businesses. I want you to take the rest of this call – and just pretend you're sitting down with one lady. She's just getting started. She wants to build something extraordinary. Doesn't have to be, you know, a billion-dollar business. But for most people, if they earned an extra 1000 to $3,000 a month, it would change everything forever. What would you say to me? If I was that lady looking to get started, and or maybe I'm sitting in front of you because I've been struggling for a couple of years and I need to restart, what would you tell me?
1: Richard, that, that is it's universal what I would say. First of all, I would look around me and say, if anybody can do this business, you can too if you want it bad enough. if if you, you, First of all, you get what's called an illumination. And I would say to a person, how bad do you want this and how much time are you willing to put into this? And never forget, and this is what I would say, if, if, if my niece or somebody, and, and, and my niece is in the business, and my nephew, uh, my family and friends, I would say every person you come in contact with And if you remember, Richard, when we were in Las Vegas and we saw Tony Robbins, and when he was jumping up and down for three and a half hours, you know the energy (laughs) that he was jumping. Yep. Uh, And and he said, when you're talking to somebody, uh, imagine that person could save a family member's life if they joined your business. Well, what I would say and I have said to family and friends Every single person you come in contact with is a possible candidate for your business. Everybody has hair. Everybody has skin. Everybody has health needs. Everybody has economic needs or have a need to be recognized and appreciated. And, I would talk to everybody. Richard, I ran out of gas one time. I was driving my husband's car and I ran out of gas. And the AAA guy, I signed him up to, to join my business. I mean, uh, the plumber working okay. on...
2: All right, stop, stop there. There's gold there, Rita. I, I don't know if you can remember what you said to the AAA guy or the plumber, but imagine and tell us, what would you say to the AAA guy? What would you ask him that would turn jump-starting your car or getting you some gas into, yeah, I want to join our bond.
1: <laughs> okay, I, no, I would say, do you like what you do?
2: Okay, uh, are,
1: are you are you happy doing what you do? Do you feel good about yourself? Uh, are you able to have a life of uh, choices? Do, are you able to travel? What do you like to do? What would you if if money wasn't an object? What would you? How would you be spending your time right now? if you If you could live your life the way you choose, what would you be doing? Do you like what you're doing? what would okay, you okay stop
2: stop 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 stop. I just want to point out to everybody that I asked you what you would say, and you rattled off about ten questions in a row, and you never said anything about Arbon or skin care or money no, no. or how fast the company's growing or what kind of car he could drive or why he should dump his stupid job and become an entrepreneur nothing but questions
1: but but the reason richard as you know god gave us two ears and one mouth which means we're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk that gives me then a direction of what to talk about what he would like and then i'm going to talk about how he could get what he would like but i don't know that until i find out where they are where they've been and where they want to go so i have to listen And as much as you hear me talking, and I am very enthusiastic, and I am very focused, and I'm very determined, and I'm very persistent, and all those things are learned traits, by the way, that I've learned from personal development myself. But i got to listen to him. i got to find out what he wants. And then I'm going to tell him whatever opportunity I am in, and, and this is when I train for companies. I find out what they have to offer that will make a difference in somebody else's life. But I have to listen to find out what they want. So what do you want? And I would find out, okay, well, l- l- then then I would give him ideas of how he could invest in himself, how he could start his own business, how I never wanted to own my own business where I had to have the building and I had to have the responsibility for IT. And I, But all I wanted to do is sell, sponsor, and follow up. Could he do that? And then I would say, you know, this is something that you don't have to uh, go out and, and um uh, Get a second mortgage on your house, and you don't have to take a huge risk like that you're going to be able to do these things that you focus on and get results but I mean there's not a person that really when I find out now there are some bums out there, but you come and contact kind of, you know, me i don't want anything you know i just want to I just want to step back and be in, uh, you know enabled and uh welfare and all that stuff, but there are people like that that don't care about they 're not ambitious next. Uh, what I teach you is the four-letter word, next, because there are people, everybody, you know, you have to realize that whatever you're looking for is looking for you, and there are people out there. There's 360 million people in this country right now that have never gotten into, if this is our focus audience tonight, network marketing. There's, there's so many people that, and, and then those of you that are listening sometimes get a little bit nervous Is it saturated? People said, oh, you know, because I I spoke for Amway, I guess, 40 years ago. Um, Oh, you know, I've heard about the Amway and and Mary Kay and Tupperware. This entire industry, Richard, for those of you wondering, you're you're on the ground floor. I don't know how you can sleep at night because the entire industry is 10% of Walmart. So it's just beginning. So if that doesn't give you an incentive, and I say that to somebody, this is this is an industry that is wide open. It really hasn't even begun to be saturated or as big as it's going to be. So you know, I know your point, Richard, and it's it's perfect. Listen to what they want, and then tell what you have that you can offer them, that they can have. Their desires met, and then you, you and then you set an example. I set an example to people. People, you know, it, it's it's not telling people how to act. It's you acting the way they can be they, that they admire you and they want to duplicate that. So you have to dress the best you can. You have to be kind. You have to be thoughtful. You have to be. Um, a fun person to be around make people laugh and enjoy being around and if that's not you that's listening right now act as if become that person that you would respect and how does that person act and i think that i didn't sell my product richard i sold myself that was the main thing and that's what i've said to everyone that has asked me well how did you do it i sold myself you know, you, yeah. every time you open your mouth, money goes in and out by what you say. But you're selling yourself by how you conduct yourself, your posture, how you give people hugs, how you give encouragement to people. People want to be around people that make them feel good about themselves. That's what I did.
2: All right. <laughs> two, two other tangents because we're, we're going to run. we got ten minutes.
1: Oh, no. So, I, I thought I know, we were just I know getting you're gonna, started. Oh, no. Uh,
2: we are just getting started. We could just <laughs> go for about three hours. I'm sure most people would stay on. But here's what we can do, Rita, because you have so much gold. I mean, if you're willing, I'll just bring you back because, I mean, you are just getting started. But there's two other things that I want you to address. One, You touched on it once, but I see it as a big missing for post- most people in network marketing. They 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 kind of get it in their head that if they were to talk to four or five people a week and do a presentation every couple of weeks that they're going to build something. And we know that's probably not going to happen, that you got to talk to a lot more people than that. And people resist that. And would you address that? Would you address like the numbers game and – You know, how is the numbers game really a numbers game, and yet it's not about just blowing through people. It's a numbers game with love and caring, but it is a numbers game. And what kind of pace do you need to play at to actually build a business? You say, you know, you said earlier the one who makes the most money is the one who talks to the most people. How many people do you need to talk to? How many presentations do you need to do? What's the pace of play that you think people need to commit to to be successful?
1: Well, nothing about this industry and with all the technology and all the Facebook stuff, and I call it a lot of times waste book, Richard. I know the technology <laughs> and I know how much time people are wasting on the Internet and their computer instead of being out there doing the heart-to-heart, belly-to-belly interaction with people. you got to be out and about. Zig Ziglar, my dear friend, said you got to circulate to percolate. You have got to be out and about. I've never had but one person knock on my door to join my business, and that happened to be a neighbor that heard what I was doing. So it's activity, activity, activity. So... I mean, wherever I go, I mean, I, I, I work out three times a week. I'm at actually two different um, fitness places that I go to. I go to church. I, I'm in Charter 100. I'm interacting, and I am out there mixing with people constantly. I am a people builder. So I'm out there. and And you have to – Figure out if you if, what can you do to broaden your scope of people first of all, you start with your warm market, of course, and you ask who do you know that would like to have and you ask that and and don 't be afraid to ask people that you know because you know this person wouldn 't dare join your business, but who do you know that would like to and that 's miserable with where the, where they are right now that have needs and have a family they want to look out for and take care of so i, I don 't know how i don 't know how you sleep at night knowing. The hundreds of thousands of people that could benefit from what you have, and you don't talk about it, you then you don't believe in it. Because if you believed in it as much as I did, you wouldn't be able not to talk about it. So, it, and he said, "Well, I'm kind of a shy person." Oh, come on, get over it right now. I mean, I, I was very shy as a child, but I knew in order to have what I wanted to have in my life, I had to expand and broaden myself, and stretch and grow. And uh, everything that that you need to know about this industry, you can learn from watching the people that have done it. I mean, how do they conduct themselves? Um, what, what what are they like? Now, that not all of them that I would be, be honest about that are successful, do I respect necessarily their lifestyle? I'm not saying that, but the lifestyle that I represented that was important to me and my, my being a faith based person and believing in the blessings, and, you know, the, the, I, I just I just wanted to always, like you asked me the question, help other people. I mean, th- this business, uh, the network marketing business, it, it's the best use that, I mean, as a social worker, I, I knew that welfare wasn't the answer, but I knew this was. This is something that if people wanted it, they could figure out by watching other people that do it. How do I connect the dots? It's a cookie cutter technique. Most every company has a system. Learn that system. Use your personality to support that system. But it's—I don't know how you could live with yourself and go to bed tonight knowing what you could do that you're not doing. What's that all about? I, I know.
2: I, I know how people could, and I think you addressed it early on in this call, reader. You laid down one of the most profound pieces of wisdom about how is it that people will go out and talk to a lot of people versus somebody that won't. And what I heard you say that was most profound was that where you found your inspiration was not in yourself and what you wanted for you, but you had a purpose and a vision that was much bigger than you. You wanted to provide freedom and abundance for your family. And what I found is people that won't go out and connect and talk to people and ask the questions and share the opportunity are people that are more concerned about how they're going to look, how people are going to see them than they are about what they're building and why they're building it. Their vision is about how they're going to look, not about providing something for their family. And so your wisdom about find something that's more important than you, that's bigger than you, so that your petty concerns about you don't rule the day.
1: You know, Richard, That's I didn't what... care. People people thought I was crazy. In fact, my my mentor and dearest friend, uh, quite a bit older than I, was like a grandfather of my kids. He said to David, my husband, he said, "I think she needs counseling about this. This is all she talks about." <laughs> but you know, I didn't. I didn't. When people laughed at me and said, and they did. They what? Is she, what is she doing? Her her ratings must be down. She must not be booking many speeches. But I, I thought that was just hilarious. I didn't care. I did not care what they thought about me because I knew that, you know, it's amazing <laughs> that when when you get in touch with what the end results are, you have to go through and, and, and have this humiliation at times and people not showing up and people canceling and people rejecting you and saying no. The best example that I learned about saying no is when my son in the – the third grade was going to ask a little girl to skate with him, and I was afraid she'd reject him and say no. And when I picked him up after the little skating party, I said, "Well, did little little girl uh, did she ask you? Did she, ans- she skate with you when you asked her?" And he said, "Oh, yeah." And I said, well, "How would you have felt if she'd said no?" And he said, "Mother, there's 17 other girls in my class. A third grader knew that, and I never forgot yeah. that." That. that he he realized that there are going to be people that say no, but you can't say no to the opportunity because you know more than the person you're talking to. And how do you live with yourself? I just don't. It, it amazes me how you can stop when people say, "Well, I just sort of backed off." What do you mean you backed off? Did you back off your family? Do you back off your you know your commitment to your heavenly father, your spiritual values? Do you you back off of that because somebody else doesn't agree with you? You've got to stay on purpose. You've got to be focused constantly that you're going to do this and just so that you can help the people that you care the most about. And I don't know if I knew something better, Richard, I would tell people, but I don't know anything better where you, with a minimal investment, 100% of your time, no, not 100%, but a lot of your time. I was interviewing a girl at, at a one of the, my speaking engagements and I asked her how much time she'd been in the business for like three years and I said how much time a day do you spend on your business and she kind of hem-hauled and she said about 30 minutes a day and I said 30 minutes a day I spend more time than that in the bathroom how can you you know, <laughs> if you're, you know, I mean I'm not kidding I do I mean you know you gotta take a bath and you got you know you groom yourself and and, and yet Richard, Jack Welch was and I love this was interviewed uh, and I heard Darren Hardy talk about this where he said the average executive CEO of Fortune 500 company uh, supposedly spent three hours a day on on their their business and he challenged that and they turned out to spend 27 minutes a day. So a CEO, you know, uninterrupted focused toward their business. So when this little girl said that, I guess she was right on target. But I, I, I spent more than 27 or 30 minutes a day on my business but I did not miss a day, Richard, that I talk, didn't talk to at least 10 people. and I, Okay, it, that,
2: it, stop okay, I right there. It. I want to make sure everybody heard that. You didn't miss a day where you no. talked to 10 people. No. And that's some days the I would pace, talk to of <laughs> that's a pace of play. That's the pace of play that will build a multi, multi-million dollar business. Yeah. All right. It so, did. Uh, yeah, for sure. So here's how I'm going to ask you to wrap. Uh-oh. Because I know this is – This is a whole other hour, but you only got a couple of minutes. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So people state, so people tell themselves a story, and if the story is of optimism, if it is of success, if it's fun, if it's winning, well, then people are standing erect, and they're on fire, and they're out engaging in the world. But as soon as they start to tell themselves a story about nobody wants to, or I can't, or I'm not enough, they curl up on the crouch in the fetal position, and it's over. And one of the things that you've been a champion for your whole life, that you've inspired millions of people to, to shift, is how do you, what do you do to ensure that you don't end up on the couch? that you don't end up in the fetal position, that you don't take yourself out of the game because of some pathetic story that you start telling yourself. How do you manage your mind? How do, how do you manage your state to stay powerful and on fire?
1: Well, you just about said it, Richard. You know, mind your mind because energy follows thought. What you think about, you bring about. I mean this is so simple and elementary that it's embarrassing. I tell people always keep your desire in your in your mind. Starts with desire. Have an image of what that success is going to be like. Have clearly defined goals. You have to write down your goals with paper and pencil. You can use a magic marker or something, but it's got to be written down. You've got to look at your goals at least 10 times a day, at least 10 times, and especially when you first get up in the morning and before you go to bed at night, and then you've got to raise your expectation. What you expect, what you believe, what you picture is what you're going to get, no more and no less, and then you've got to back that up with faith, which is the opposite of fear, faith and belief. What do you believe? Results are directly related to the amount of faith and the belief that you have, that you possess, and that Faith and belief, you constantly fuel it with what I just got through talking about, your expectations, your goals, your images, the desire. And then you've got to act with your mind, with your idea in your mind's eye, you have to act on that goal and idea that you have. Then you've got to learn to give. We, we must give to receive, whether it's giving praises, thank you notes. I have thank you notes constantly. I took flowers to the little girl that uh, I, it, today, would, not long story, but anyway, I learned, I've learned to give. And then you, you've got to be willing to receive. A lot of you listening right now don't have what you truly would like to have or deserve to have or need to have because you don't feel worthy. When somebody gives you a compliment, just say, thank you. Don't don't say, oh, yeah, but this dress, this old thing, you know, and I, I don't deserve, don't give me that. No, no, just say thank you, because you might not have done anything for that person, but you did for somebody else, and what goes around comes around. And then have gratitude. Be grateful that you're in a, a company that offers you an opportunity to have a life that you can have a life of, of abundance and choices, and you can give, and you can help, and you can pay it forward. Because a lot of people in dead-end situations where they don't have these choices, and look at you, look at you, how dare you not do this? That's what, you know, I would always say, you know, how dare you not do it? So when you go through those steps and you're listening right now, you've got to understand that you have to change the image you have of yourself right out of description of the person that you would like to be. And then even sometimes, and I had to do this, trace your attitude back into your childhood you asked me about, and where did you get the idea that you could achieve and that you must, you absolutely must, and stop thinking of all the reasons you can't succeed, but start thinking of all the reasons that you can, and for God's sakes, quit running yourself down. Listen to yourself talk. When you, when you run yourself down, your mind hears that, and Muhammad Ali was actually one of my neighbors, and when I interviewed him, he said, "Read, I was a poor black kid living in the ghettos of... Kentucky. And over and over again, I would say, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. And if that's what you have to do, and by the way, I've had to get in front of a mirror and say that to myself, I'm the greatest. And then make sure the goal is right for you. Make sure you, you it has to be within reach of your faith. And it has to be written down. And you've got to be specific. Don't say, I'm going to promote, you know, by November. Promote to what? November what year? So <laughs> this is what I teach. And, hey, well, i got to say this though. No. H.L. Hunt, one of the wealthiest men ever that lived in this country said, first of all, you got to find out what you want, what you're willing to give up to get it, set your priorities, and go to work. <laughs>
2: hey, that was a beautiful wrap. And um, so everybody, uh, dot com. that is where you can send people in your company, both your employer, if you're in – a non-network marketing occupation or your network marketing company where they can listen to Rita speak, they can hear the testimonials, they can seek her out as a speaker. You can buy her books at RitaDavenport.com. Go to her Facebook, her fan page, Official Rita Davenport. Go to Official Rita Davenport. Like that page. Most importantly, share that page. You want to do something extraordinary for people? Share Rita's fan page with ten or twenty people tonight, and that'll be a gift that will come back to you tenfold. Oh, Rita, you good. are um, just absolutely extraordinary. We could easily go for hours, oh, and yeah. I promise you, we'll do it again. Okay. You're so you're so funny, uh, and you're so wise, and you're so experienced, and you're just. There's, and, and what amazes me is there's just so much more that you're gonna accomplish yourself in oh. terms of your your contributions to other people. There's just there's no rest in you. You're having too much fun.
1: I am having too much fun, and I'm setting an example now for the next generation for my grandkids. And I I love teaching them these things, Richard. I I have them recite back to me. No matter what you say or do to me, I'm still a worthwhile person. I'm a people builder. I have an invisible sign on me that says, make me feel important. My grandkids are saying these things, and so I'm grateful to have that (laughs) opportunity to demonstrate this for everybody. So thank you for having me tonight. What what a blessing this has been. I appreciate you. I love you so Mm -hmm. much. And, Kimmy, you all are just doing a great job. You all are rocking this world, so thank you for that.
2: And uh, Rita, um, gosh, I think Kimmy and I might see you. Are you coming to Vegas in a couple of weeks?
1: Um, no, I don't think I'm going to be nope. there. No, I know I'm not. Okay. I'm not going. Well, be. we
2: won't see we won't see you in a couple of weeks. But we'll, <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming to Phoenix, February 28th. So maybe I'll find you then.
1: Oh, I hope so. I'll I'll plan on that. I hope that.
0: Right, That's a great Richard.
1: Thanks everybody Thank for listening. You. Thank you. Appreciate all of you, and I love you. And give yourself a hug from me.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course, his best selling books, The Four Year Career and Mach 2 With Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.